0: Welcome back to The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling. This week, my guest is Dr. Judith Lovas, a lawyer from Hungary who moved to Canada in 2012 with her family and pivoted her career following her master's degree in gender studies. Today, she works with organizations to implement a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive workforce. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through their educational workshops, financing, and mentorship programs. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. After graduating from Memorial University of Newfoundland with a master's degree in gender studies, Judith worked for the local government as a policy and program development specialist for years. And in March 2020, she launched her coaching and consulting business. And ever since, she's been working with clients from SMEs to large organizations, helping them implement business practices that support DEI. Being a dual Hungarian-Canadian citizen, Judith has a unique perspective and vast interest in helping employers and employees successfully integrate diverse talent into the workforce. Here's our conversation. Judith, it's such a pleasure having you on The Brand
1: is Female today.
0: Thank you so much for making time to speak with me.
1: Oh, thank you for inviting me. That's a pleasure.
0: I like to start by going back in time, going to really the origin of your story and your journey. Um, And I want to ask you, growing up, what kind of career did you imagine you'd be doing later in life?
1: Uh, I was born and raised in Hungary. uh, uh, And I was born in 1980. So the first decade of my life, I would say the most impressionable years happened behind the Iron Curtain. So for Mm -hmm. those of you who are not familiar, the Iron Curtain is uh, basically a political metaphor, but really what it is, a psychological barrier that divided the Soviet Union and the satellite countries in the Soviet Union uh, from the rest of the world. So basically separated uh, that block from the West uh, in Europe and in the world. So with that, uh, that was an era where... um uh, it wasn't much individualism. Uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't a, a huge variety of different professions. There weren't really role models of entrepreneurship, besides right. small shop owners, maybe. Uh, and yeah. so, so I grew up, and these these are the most impressionable years of a child. Mm-hmm. And we all know, or I know, uh, that in the first twelve years of our lives, we're forming our limiting beliefs, we're forming our, you know, mindset and our perceptions, how we how we see the world. So what I saw really is that the desirable career path is just you just, you just go to school, get good grades, uh, go to university, get a profession. Find an employment and then basically you're gonna retire from that one and all employer uh forty years later. That right. was that was the that was the pattern. So that was the,
0: the journey, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So my grandparents, uh one of my grandmothers were a stay-at-home mom, but the other one was a full-time employee, grand grandfathers both are full-time employees. My parents uh were employees, both had Mm-hmm. Very linear career paths. Mm-hmm. So I thought in the first, uh, I don't know, in my early life, I thought I imagined the same linear career path for myself. So when I was little, I in kindergarten probably I was going to become an actress, but okay. but <laughs> but later on I changed it to becoming a lawyer. So right. I was steadfast on that path, like getting good grades, getting to the university, finishing law school. And this is what I did. And I, mm-hmm. I started my own law firm. Only four years later, I just realized that, okay, so life has planned something different for me. And mm-hmm. that's what's, what's habit for me is far from a, a linear career path.
0: So what happened when you made that discovery?
1: So I was running my own law firm, mm-hmm. and we decided that we want to give our children a better future or a brighter future, and we moved to Canada in 2012. So I left everything behind uh, with only four suitcases and a limited uh, English language skills. We just arrived to Canada, and that's when when I needed to to build myself from scratch. So I went back to university. I was doing my master's in gender studies. And after graduate, graduating from Memorial University, I started working as a public servant with the provincial government. And I did that for years. And then I realized that, okay, this is probably not for me. And, and that's when I started training as a mediator and a coach. And so I decided, okay, it's time to, it's time to start my own business. And it was tough time. Mm.
0: How did you know that was your calling? Had you worked with a coach, maybe, or how? You know, how did you even know that was a an option as a as a career path? Or maybe there was someone who who uh, was an inspiration for for this.
1: Absolutely, yes. So I never even thought about starting a consulting business or or coaching business. But I thought that, okay, so what's the closest thing that I could do that closest to law? And I realized, oh, it's mediation, workplace harassment investigation, or arbitration. Mm-hmm. These are the things that probably would work for me. So I, right. so um yeah, the universe works funny ways, because mm-hmm. it sent me to a, a mentor. And this mentor was a mediator and a workplace harassment investigator but also a coach, mm-hmm. so she started saying that. Okay, so uh, if you want to make change in other people's lives, if you want to have a have an impact, a positive impact on other people's lives, then you can't only scratch the surface, but you have to go deeper and look at their like uh, what person they are. So it's personal development will help their professional development and will help conflict resolution. So this is how I've gotten into uh, coaching. Mm.
0: And tell me about those first few years building your business, because essentially you became an entrepreneur at that point. Uh, what was that like? And what were some of the lessons when you, when you first started out?
1: So one of the most difficult challenges that I faced was first my, my language barrier. Or my perception of my language barrier that I'm not a native English speaker. So, so probably people won't, uh, want to talk to me because they can find someone who is more sophisticated in English. But I know now that it was only a, a limiting belief. A limiting of that. belief. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and, but building the courage to leave the safety of public service job was the most difficult but I always say that when the when the pain of the present moment is greater than the fear of the unknown that's when you take the leap so yeah. when I oh, I was in pain I, I I didn't like what I did and I wanted freedom I wanted creativity and then I wanted to have a meaningful um, impact on other people's lives that's that's when I I took the leap and, and went on full, I quit my job and, uh, with no prospect whatsoever. So I, I didn't start it off with a side hustle, but I finished this. And then I knew that I had to focus on the next chapter in my life. And then I basically reinvented myself for the third time at that point in my life.
0: Well, and I'm sure that experience helped inform, you know, how you were able to better support your your clients who are coming to you for coaching. So, tell me a little bit about who you work with primarily who uh, who's your, who's a, a typical profile who would work with you for those services.
1: So, I, uh, as I mentioned, I studied gender studies and uh, at at uh, Memorial University, and that's when I started. Becoming interested in DEI, so diversity, equity, and inclusion. And my thesis was about a big international company's corporate social responsibility policy, so specifically focusing on gender equity in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So I got that uh in taste of this world. And then uh, when I uh, moved into uh, my entrepreneurship, that was the focus. So I started working with individuals. But then after a while, I realized that, okay, I can coach only so many people at a time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, for me too, 24 hours uh, a, d- a day, that's all I have. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, okay, so probably to have a greater impact, I should do I should reach out to organizations and that's when I started working with um uh, big large companies and uh startups nonprofit organizations and uh I developed the training program for women entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and uh and that's how I started so the profile of my clientele is really varies mm-hmm. but uh mo- women entrepreneurs are the closest to my heart not only because of my background and expertise but also that that's where i have firsthand experience with mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: and what do you notice with your clients who are women entrepreneurs um, and you've talked you know about your your own limiting beliefs i know this is something you work with clients on and what are you observing that are common themes among, you know, women in business, uh, female founders in general? Um, you know, something that comes up a lot here is, uh, it's a, it's a lot of our own limiting beliefs. We can call it fears that kind of stop us from, you know, taking that jump, taking risks, uh, whether it's making that career change and, and starting a business or once we're in business often women are afraid of going after that big dream. I'm curious to hear what you're observing and what's your approach when you work with women to uh, to kind of you know put an end to those limiting beliefs and, and get over them.
1: Yeah, so probably the most common theme is um, feeling like an imposter. Mm-hmm. So I work with a lot of successful women and they all say that, oh, I, I have no problem with self-confidence. I'm, good, yeah. I'm okay with that. But still, there is something that when something good happens to me, I just don't want to believe it. And mm-hmm. I don't give credit to myself. And I can't mm-hmm. pat myself on the shoulder and say that, oh, that was great. So I did great. Um, so imposter syndrome is something that uh, that a lot of people are interested to know more. And if you read the articles and and mm-hmm. research and studies and all that, that the title is always how to get get over, uh, Mm -hmm. or, or overcome imposter syndrome or beat imposter syndrome or forget forever. And, but my approach is somewhat different. So I think that imposter syndrome, what brought you here? So, and that can be used as a psychological fuel to, to motivate you to be even better. So I think it's a, it's a blessing instead of looking at it as a curse that you have to live with or or have to Mm -hmm. overcome and this approach that people so many women just feel a relief that saying that oh yeah i've been trying to get rid of this feeling this yucky feeling but i couldn't but like learning how to live with it would make easier my whole Mm -hmm. like work and career And this is what I, I start. So start looking inside yourself and then, and find your limiting beliefs and, and how to overcome your internal barriers, like entrepreneurial fear, fear of the unknown, fear of uncertainty and, um, and let's face your own inner imposter. And then you have a lot of tools that you can work with towards a greater success. Mm,
0: I think there's something unfair too about the label of imposter syndrome, right? We chose to call it that, but of course, women are going to feel that they're, you know, they're being challenged or their, you know, their approach is not adequate in a world that's been built by men for men, right? If we think of the corporate world. Uh, So I think that label is is just adding to that pressure of women feeling like there's something wrong with us uh, when we're not the problem necessarily.
1: Absolutely. And probably the name, the, term that we use for it is not uh not good either because it's not a disease it's not illness it's not something it's it's not a syndrome per se mm. uh it's just a mindset and as such because it's a mindset you can change it mm. and
0: for you you know so you you know you started the business you started working with a number of clients um was there, and, and you've mentioned, you know, facing your own imposter syndrome or fears. Is, is there a point where there was an obstacle for you in business or, or you, you know, question whether or not this was the right path for for your own journey?
1: So every day, absolutely. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yes, because my inner, inner imposter says that, who am I to do this? Who am I to tell these women what to do and how to do it? And who am I to give advice that I'm the, I'm the one who needs advice. So, uh, but it, it keeps me, uh, humble and grateful for the experience and the journey. And I just recently, um, I had a group of 113 international, uh, students who I just coached over a course of four months. And, uh, and it's, it's a huge, um, uh, blessing that I can do this and it's and in and of itself it's not a linear career path so yeah. one day yeah. I coach someone like a career coaching and then the next day I have the opportunity to work with a large organization uh, like uh, like I do now and I'm in a position to help them shape the workplace culture of 18,000 people like it's insane mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. so i just recently uh had the opportunity that as an entrepreneur so i'm employed with an entrepreneurial mindset in a in a large organization it's called xylem and xylem is uh one of the biggest uh water technology companies and uh the company really, uh, puts DI diversity, equity, and inclusion as a strategic goal. And I just, it's a, recently I had the opportunity to participate in shaping that workplace culture, which is, which is amazing. And this is exactly what I was, what I was thinking when I, I thought that, okay, so coaching people one by one, it's not, not a huge impact. Yeah. But like working with an organization that is open to mm. these ideas, that that's an impactful work.
0: And when you work with organizations on DEI, um and and I assume a part of that is, you know, gender equity and in, in that mix what are organizations hoping to achieve? And what are you noticing are, you know, current patterns when it comes to working to implement DI measures? And different companies are typically at different stages of the process. Yeah. Some are starting this work for the first time, some might be more advanced, but are there things that you're observing that, you know, are, really need to be a priority for organizations right now? And maybe things you've observed that are working well?
1: Yeah. So the goal, uh, with organizations that are pretty open, uh, to these new innovative ideas and, um, and organization that made DI a strategic priority is creating, uh, an organization in which all employees feel involved, respected, valued, connected, and they're able to bring their authentic self to work. Mm-hmm. And creating a psychologically safe workplace where we, I can be who who I'm truly am—that's the—that's the ultimate goal. Where they see that diversity is not just a not just a buzzword, but really it's a it's a business priority mm-hmm. to to have diverse talent, to recruit diverse talent, and then work with uh, diverse talent. This season of The Brand is Female is
0: made possible with the support of TD Women and Enterprise, and they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice, puts guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way, so we can all share experiences and learn from each other. Other. TD Women in Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. And what would you say are factors of success? So when companies are trying to, you know, implement DEI, be able to offer that positive work culture to everyone working for the organization, what, what sets them up for success?
1: Most organization, no, all organization, I should say, all organization starts with raising awareness, building awareness around DI, diversity, equity, inclusion. It's important. Let's talk about it. Let's support people. Um, They have DI activities, and but mostly awareness raising. Mm -hmm. But the outstanding organizations move to the next level uh and using successfully change management um in order to actually bring cha- bring about change right? right so awareness raising is great it's important but that's the first step but yeah. they need to implement uh like action mm-hmm. and that's what i believe in as a is a micro learning uh mm-hmm. modality or methodology where people in an organization can get bite-sized information on a constant basis so mm-hmm. they can incorporate these tiny things into their everyday life. But they, yeah. it's, it's, uh, they are encouraged on a daily or, or, um, on a daily basis to make those changes. Mm-hmm. So developing a training program and developing something that is, um, that is more than just awareness raising but actually helping people create lasting changes in their life that's that's what outstanding organizations do mm-hmm. Mm, that's
0: really interesting. And that makes sense. And um, going back to, you know, your own approach as as an entrepreneur and an intrapreneur, um, how do you define success? So, you know, you've built a business, you do consulting with different types of companies across industries. What does success look like for you and how do you keep track?
1: And it's so interesting that you're asking this because one of like I have a workshop built on this. For entrepreneurs, because it's so easy to get lost in all that, you know, shiny, um, success definitions, like success equals to a lot of money and having, Mm -hmm. you know, great power, but it's really not. But when the, so, but the more successful someone, the harder to, to, um, to feel successful. Because I think being successful and feeling successful is two different things. Right. So, Absolutely. yeah. So, because you might think that, oh, she's a, she's a successful person. But if she doesn't feel like it, then it's, it's, it's an empty success. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. we, uh, Meaningless. And, yeah, exactly. So we need to, We need to sit down and think about it, what success looks like. So obviously success is when you do something you love, you do something when you're feel, you feel fulfilled at the end of the day. But like tiny successes when someone has an aha moment or someone sends you an email after a session and saying that, Oh my God, Judith, you just made my day because now I've never thought of this, like something like I, I, Keep um, getting messages after the imposter syndrome workshops and saying that, oh, this is such a new perspective mm-hmm. uh, point of view looking at imposter syndrome, and it it makes me so relieved. and then uh, after uh, talking a lot about the side hustle uh, phenomenon, and mm-hmm. then at the end of the workshops you we were talking about, but you don't have to do it if you feel that it's just a social pressure. That you, you should do it because everyone else is doing it. And someone just called me on the phone and said that, Oh my God, I just realized that I'm, I'm about to do something that I don't want to do, but I, Mm. I didn't even, I didn't want to, you know, left behind or left Mm. out. Uh, so, but I realized that this is not what I want to do. And these are the small success, everyday successes that makes me happy and. Uh, keeps me moving
0: yeah and is it something that you work on with clients you've talked about the workshop you've created um, and you brought up earlier in the conversation I think that idea of you know just like a gratitude practice on a daily basis helps with mental health recognizing when we've had those you know micro successes throughout the day because I think as women entrepreneurs, our brains just go into what is it I haven't done yet and my to-do list is, you know, forever running. Uh, but when we pause and we take stock of all these micro moments where something great has happened, it really puts things in perspective, right?
1: Yeah, but we we tend to uh, forget to yeah. celebrate mm-hmm. our small successes yeah. because that's easy, that's routine, that's just happened for the... God knows how many times. And then it's not a novelty anymore. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we should really sit down at the end of the day and be grateful. But that's what, uh, meditation for me. So at the end of the mm-hmm. day, I always read a book and then winding down and, and I really think about what I just accomplished today. And mm-hmm. even if it's a, if it's a minor thing, uh, I should feel good about. The work that I I did, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, that's I think that's a, a very good approach. And what's your recommendation? How do you work with women? You know, when they have are we're calling it—that fear, that imposter syndrome—how do we get on the other side? And what are things? apart from working with you, but, you know, what, what are ways that we can kind of counter, you know, stop those limiting beliefs? Um, what, what's a way to, you know, try to free ourselves and have more of that positive mindset, uh, for women who, you know, own their own businesses.
1: Um, and now i have to think about it <laughs>
0: yeah that's it's a million dollar question <laughs> yeah
1: exactly that, it, it, only if it was so easy right i Just know it's thought, probably oh, it's so not that these easy, are right. the three things that you have to do and then here are the th- three three things <laughs> yeah what i see is that um That imposter syndrome and confidence and limiting beliefs are probably the last things on someone's to-do list. So Mm. like personal development is not always the first one because what we need when we're entrepreneurs, right? Uh, business plan, business vision, investors, ideas, building a team. Uh, so it's so many things that we're, we're running around the clock, especially if most of us are moms and and have other commitments like family commitments and, and health commitments and all that, and uh, we don't have time to to really look inside and and do the personal development work. Uh, but especially if it when it comes to imposter syndrome, the best way to tackle it start thinking differently about it. So if this is something like a negative things, if you want to overcome it, oh my God, and I'm just feeding myself up because now I feel it again and I just don't want to do it. Like, first of all, we have to talk about it. So normalize it saying that, hey, do you have imposter syndrome? I do. I have to. So, and then basically creating your own, uh, fraud squad and, Mm -hmm. uh, talk about it. Right. Then fraud squad. That's really good. Yes, exactly. But talking about it again, it's just awareness raising. So we, we need to take the next step, which is Mm -hmm. really internalizing that we're thinking about it differently. So let's start to think about it as a positive thing that thankfully I have this feeling because this is what keeps me on my toes. This is when I know that I'm, I'm leaving my comfort zone. So start thinking differently Mm -hmm. about imposter syndrome and instead Mm -hmm. of thinking about it as a bad thing we should start thinking about it as a as a good thing Mm -hmm.
0: and then kind of projecting ourselves with that positive vision of the future right seeing what it is we really want because as you brought up sometimes we have these ambitions that are not our own it's you know peer pressure society pressure but once we know what feels really good seeing seeing ourselves in that spot uh, usually is a is a good motivator also
1: exactly mm-hmm.
0: and I want to talk about leadership um you work with a, a lot of women you know who are doing amazing things they they are leaders I'm curious to know your definition of leadership and also uh you know when you work with with uh, with women clients what are what are traits that you see women leaders are able to bring to whatever it is they're doing, you know, are there traits that women kind of innately have, and and it's typically a style of leadership that is different than kind of the more aggressive masculine type. And I don't want to generalize because every individual is different, but I think there are things that, you know, women tend to do well when we talk about emotional intelligence, a a more compassionate approach as a leader, but I want to hear your definition and then uh, what you, what you observe among women leaders you work with.
1: So what I uh, what I notice among uh, women leaders are that and what's probably uh, most important to me is that thought leadership. Mm-hmm. So when someone is becoming a thought leader, so they are authentic to themselves and they are so just so authentic that whatever comes out of their mouth is just, you know, that it's so natural and organic. And in in a certain way, I think that a lot of people are born with this, but Mm. I know as a coach that these skills can be taught. So can everyone Mm. can develop leadership skills. Uh, For some people, it's more natural and more who they are. For others, it's a greater struggle. Again, imposter Mm. syndrome, right? So they have to They have to use imposter syndrome as a psychological fuel in order to develop these leadership skills. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I think that leadership is about being authentically who you are and then being able to inspire and motivate others for, for the common cause. And that's what I think women are great. And I think. They use it in the family as well. And this is what they leave as a legacy to, to the next generation.
0: Mm, yeah, it's very interesting to look at it that way and see kind of that, uh, that succession model. What's, what's on your kind of vision board, you know, for the next few years of your business? What's something that you're working on for the future?
1: I have my vision board. I have, uh, like personal goals. I have entrepreneurial goals and I have intrapreneurial goals on my vision board. Um, based on this, uh, methodology that I just mentioned, the micro learning platform. Um, I just co-founded a, a company with my business partner and we are working on developing a, a mobile application for, for this training so it would be available uh globally for mm-hmm. for companies so that's definitely uh finishing that work or at least the getting to the beta testing phase would be on my vision board for this year uh my entrepreneurial uh goals this year is uh is helping the xylem the organization to uh, with this micro-learning platform that we can test it in-house mm-hmm. and with 18,000 employees, which is amazing, impact. Yeah. And uh, my personal goal, as always, is be there for, for my family and have some time for my health and my not just physical but mental health and um, being the authentic self who mm-hmm. I am. Mm,
0: I love that. Those are all great goals. And in closing, if you had to share, and you've shared, you know, a lot of advice and insights, I think that are going to be helpful to women entrepreneurs listening to us or women leaders. Um, But your top three pieces of advice, someone who is in business about to go in business, what are three things you'd like them to know?
1: As I said, probably many, many times that don't be afraid to show your true self Mm -hmm. to the world. Um, Ask for help because entrepreneurship doesn't have to be a lonely journey. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We tend to think it is because an entrepreneur by definition is an individual. Uh, who runs a business, but entrepreneurship doesn't have to be. And I wish I had known that when I first started this journey, uh, that although I'm a self-entrepreneur, that but I don't have to feel alone and I don't have to make decisions alone because I have a support system. And uh, another, uh, probably the third one, that you can always change your mind when it comes to your career. So we're not married to our careers. Mm, that's a good one yeah Um, yeah so our career is never a linear path but it's a zigzag that will take you to places where you would have never thought that you can be taken and if someone feels that entrepreneurship is is uh something they want to do just do it and try Mm -hmm. it don't wait until you feel ready yeah, But if yeah. you feel that
0: feel ready, yeah,
1: you will <laughs> never feel ready. But if you think that, okay, I've tried it. It's not for me. Then don't be afraid to change it and mm-hmm. go back to employment because mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest lessons in my life that you can never say never. Mm-hmm. Because when I left public service, I said, I'm never going to be an employee yeah. again. And yeah. here I am. I'm an employee again. And while running my, my entrepreneurial business. So I think our world, this is a new era where you can be, uh, you can be both, right? It's not mutually exclusive. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I think we're in the era of multi-hyphenates where if you have a services business and, you know, you do some type of consulting, it's absolutely possible to be employed in different ways, just, just the way, you know, you're doing it. Uh, which is different than what was possible 10 or 15 years ago, even.
1: And it's never too late because I can hear from from women that, oh, it's too late. I'm too old to make any changes. And I've invested too much time, money, energy in a career. So why why would I give it up now? But if you look at it, that how many more years, active years you have ahead of you, then you realize that it's never too late. Even mm-hmm. if you're in your 80s, it's never too late.
0: And that's, I think that's a pattern that's difficult to break free from for, for a lot of individuals, including women is there's so much, you know, societal pressure around what work needs to look like. Um, and we're, we're stuck in that idea of, you know, the nine to five, the five days a week, the one employer, or if you have a business, you have to be running a certain way. But uh, that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur is you can really mold your, your business based on, you know, your needs and, and your decisions.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Which is
0: what which is exactly what you're doing. So <laughs> that's very inspiring. Well, thank you so much Judith. I think this was very insightful. Uh, I know our listeners will enjoy uh, hearing from you. We will link uh, your your site uh, if anyone is interested in learning more, and I thank you so much for sharing your journey with us today.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you to TD Women and Enterprise for their support of The Brandis Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you for listening today. If you did enjoy the show, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by the Brand Is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support Claire Miglionico.